2: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW route void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, Anthony here with a quick PSA really quickly. I just want to throw a disclaimer out there. The audio on my end is not great in this episode. It's listenable. I was driving home uh, from Chrysler center on Sunday night and uh, the voice quality isn't awesome. But I think it's good enough. i just want to let people know I'm aware there's audio problems in this episode. Maybe a few connection problems here and there. We did a Zoom call recording through the cloud while I was driving down I-94. So again, I thought it turned out well. Chris did a good job hosting it. So let's get into the episode.
1: What is up, everybody? Uh, Welcome into Maize & Brew. This is going to be kind of the new official weekly Michigan Hoops Podcast. I'm Chris Castellani here with uh, my my friend and co- cohort Anthony Broom, uh, discussing discussing a little bit of Michigan basketball. The Michigan Wolverines uh, extended their record to two and zero on the season. We're going to be talking about both games, what we saw from both these uh, basketball games over the last week. An easy win against a Bowling Green team and an absolute nail biter, uh, hair pulling out uh, type of effort against uh, the Oakland uh, is it it's Golden Grizzlies right
0: They are the Golden
1: Grizzlies yes, yes. The, the Greg Campy led uh Golden Grizzlies uh in terms of what we saw this is a basketball team that is 2 and 0 right now I guess we'll we'll pretty much just start with what we saw in game 1 and then move into uh, what we saw on on Sunday against Oakland I I don't know about you Anthony but game 1 a I believe it was a 14 point victory over Bowling Green the way I looked at it uh, in game one, checked off all the boxes. Uh, I think the, everything we saw was about what we hoped we would see. We saw a, a more athletic basketball team. I think a basketball team that, while well, off to a bit of a slow start in terms of shooting the ball, ended up making quite a, quite a few threes. More importantly, even kind of what we all expected here, a deeper basketball team. They played about 10 deep on uh, the, in the game against Bowling Green, on Wednesday. So overall, I think pretty much collectively, we viewed that as a success. Would you kind of uh, uh, agree with that?
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, anytime you can, I mean, first of all, props to them for it's, it's a truncated non-conference schedule Mm -hmm. and, and scheduling and and finding opponents that have, and that's part of the key to some of this is scheduling opponents in this year that have similar uh, COVID protocols and, just to take one more step out of the game. So if we have comparable protocols, we can get this game put together. Um, and also, you know, props to them, you know, both Bowling Green and Michigan as well. Uh, Bowling Green is Green is a team that I think a lot of people expect to compete to win the MAC, if not, you know, be one of the teams to do it outright. Um, you know, it wasn't your standard opening game, you know, your opening by game where you're playing – Know, arkansas pine bluff or you know insert school here uh, Siena heights university whatever uh it was it was a pretty good chance to play a competitive get those competitive juices flowing and again we'll talk about how a game the game that came after it was a little more competitive than it probably needed to be but for a first game of the year to put up again i know there were problems defensively i'm sure we'll talk about that but you know, to put up 96 points and really to have you know up and down the roster Guys making contributions. It looks like this is a this is a deeper basketball team than it was a season ago. I don't think. I really. There were some people that I really don't think expected guys like Hunter Dickinson and Terrence Williams to play huge, huge roles early on. But my God, those guys are ready to play. And if those guys are ready to play, Zeb Jackson's ready to play. That gives you a bench that can go nine or ten deep and. You know, depending on the lineup combinations that are out there, and they used 11 of them in that first game, um, you know, there, there might not be too big a drop-off depending on who's in there. So uh, a lot of things, you know, there were, there were certainly negatives, but as far as our first game goes, it's pretty hard to, to hate on what we saw from them on, you know, Wednesday before Thanksgiving.
1: Right. And, and there were a lot of big-time blowouts uh, by Big Ten uh, teams in their first game of the season, illinois Michigan State, Iowa blew their opponent out. Michigan, in fairness to them, probably had the most difficult first opponent of any team. Not to say Bowling Green is, you know, the early 90s UNLV, but, like, I think that that is a competitive basketball team. Defensively, yeah, they're worse. Opponent-
0: yeah, it's a Kempom, you know, near top 150 team, which really right. Michigan's entire schedule is pretty much that, except for this game that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But <laughs> Right. Um, you know, it's. They're challenging themselves and it's so important that, 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 that they do that with only what, five, five non-conference games. Um, Mm -hmm. I love that. It was, you know, you give Bowling Green all the credit in the world. They came out, they made some tough shots. They came to play too. You know, that was a, that was a fun basketball game. and and, We needed that.
1: Mm -hmm. And Bowling, look, Bowling Green, I'm looking at the numbers now. They're pretty stunning. It is, in in fairness to them and you could put it on was it good offense was it good defense i think when a team is shooting 12 for 29 from 3 and you have a guy who comes off the bench and is 6 for 10 from beyond the arc you know i think sometimes that is just kind of the the misfortune of college basketball they were also 18 for 22 from the line for 82 points but michigan was with them and exceeded them you know lapped them uh, in the second half i think probably offensively the big the biggest stories uh, and this is probably going to be this way for most of the year are the newcomers, how they performed Hunter Dickinson, 11 points, eight rebounds off the bench, but kind of the two big key contributors in terms of guys who are in their first year at Michigan, Mike Smith in 32 minutes, 16 points, eight assists. I think that's a, that second number is even more important than the first because you're returning, you, you bring back a point guard, or not bring back, but you have a point guard now in Mike Smith, who's asked to replace Xavier Simpson, Xavier Simpson, uh, became more of a slasher, but was not, you know, God bless the guy. He's one of my favorite players, but not known to be an elite shooter, but was an incredible distributor. And I think having a guy like Mike Smith, who's not only able to score uh, at will against a team like Bowling Green, eight assists, that's a positive sign. But I think the big story collectively, Chaundi Brown in 21 minutes, 19 points, six for eight from the floor, including five for seven from three. I just, I think it, it shows that this will be a team, even on their worst days. What where this team may be able to win some games and I, even the game we're going to talk about here in a second against Oakland is kind of another example of that is if you they could afford to have guys have three or four bad nights and still be able to win because look, they played 10 guys and nine of them scored, including five guys in double figures. I think really the only players you know, on scholarship that didn't see any action were Jace Howard, And Adrian Nunez. Besides that, everyone played, and out of those ten guys, nine of them scored. You know, Zeb Jackson playing only three minutes was the only guy who didn't get a bucket. So yeah, overall, I mean, checked off the boxes. I don't do have anything else to add for that first game, really.
0: Uh, As far as the first game goes, uh, not not really. I I, like I said, I hit on this a little bit earlier, but uh, I thought the eleven lineup combinations were, um, you know, was certainly pointed to Jawan Howard using that game to kind of find out what he has. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't keep quite as, you know, quite as track, quite, sorry, I can't talk this evening. Um, I didn't keep as much track in this game against Oakland that we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what my takeaway really from both of these, uh, these games is that to me, this basketball team, which we, we didn't talk about it, they started. They started Mike Smith, Eli Brooks, yeah. Franz, Isaiah Livers, and Austin Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've learned so far about this team, and it was probably more on display in that first game because Shaundi Brown didn't have an awesome night against Oakland, but this team is at its best when Mike Smith, Chandy Brown, and Hunter Dickinson are on the floor, which it's kind of crazy to think that guys that weren't even on campus, you know, three, four, five months ago might be the three players that determine what your ceiling is, yeah. um, especially considering, you know, how experienced of a team they have coming back. But, you know, as far as the opener goes defensively um, I don't know if the ingredients are there for this to be a great defensive team. Uh, i see a lot of people, you know, during that game going, God, this team really misses you, Luke Yaklich, and boy, they've really regressed there. I don't, and I'm not saying that Joan Howard doesn't coach it, but they are, they're playing a more NBA style of basketball. And, and I'm not, that's not to say that they're disregarding defense, but I just don't think that perhaps being, you know, one of the four or five best defensive teams in the country is what their MO is going to be like. It was maybe a couple of years ago. So yeah. I'm not too concerned about that. Um, you know, when the shots don't fall, obviously that's a little bit more of a concern. Um, but they fell in that first game. And like I said, 96 points, that's, that's good against any team you play. Um, You know, whether it's top 10 top 150, top, whatever Uh, that was impressive. And um, I think it was, it was really exciting to see the first game out of the shoot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and before we, we transition into the, that second game here, I do want to say, you know, you bring up the defense and a lot of people are going to be talking about that. It's fair to say we were spoiled with the, when Yaklich was here. I mean that those were swarms defensively. I mean those teams are absolutely elite. You look at that team in 2018 that made it to the national championship national championship game, not a great shooting team, not even that great offensively, uh just phenomenal uh on the other side of the ball. I mean d- defensively uh, elite, one of the top 5 to 10 defensive efficiency teams in the country. I will say, and I think it's kind of revisionist history. People say they missed Yaklich. Well, last year this team was pretty average defensively in fact there were several games and you hate to put it all on one guy but you know juan was pretty insistent on having Teskey guard oturu and luca garza and the, the what was williams from purdue down low and these guys went for 35 40 points i think given the size of chaunty brown of hunter dickinson i do think this will be a basketball team that maybe not great but will be improved defensively in 2020 2021. Now, before we go on to game number two and overtime win against Oakland, Anthony, you want to talk about home field apparel, please? I
0: suppose I can um, listen. The only time you're ever going to catch me, not wearing home field apparel uh, in these times of staying at home, staying comfortable uh, is in the situation I'm in right now. I am literally, and if the audio is a little weird this week, I'm literally driving home from Chrysler recording this as we speak. Uh, I'm in the truck. The only time I'm not in my home field stuff as of late, because I I don't just have the Michigan stuff. I've got Tulane. I've got North Dakota state. I've got slippery rock. I've got central Michigan. Uh, you know, both of those fire up chips. Um, the only time I'm not in that is when I have to go to games, which hasn't, this is only the second sporting event I've been to since March. Uh, got dressed a little more professional but god i wish i was swaddled in my home field crew neck i wish i had my home field uh, t-shirt on I, i'm telling you it is the most comfortable clothing i own it's the most uh, comfortable clothing that i wear um when it's not in the laundry because uh, yeah you do have to wash your clothes <laughs> you can't be too much of a bum these days uh, And and here's the deal this is the last day of this. so um lucky for you guys i have a deal for you for cyber monday Uh, Homefield's gonna give you 30% off your entire order if you use the promo code BFMNB through Cyber Monday. So you don't have much time. This is gonna post late Sunday night, early Monday morning. You better get there and use this promo code BFMNB. I'm telling you, it's the fact that they're allowing you to take 30% off of everything is highway robbery. I'm not even sure it's legal in some states. So that's (laughs) homefieldapparel.com. That's 30% off your entire order. Using the promo code BFMNB. We love our friends over at Homefield. They're good friends, good partners uh, with us here at Maize and Brew. And uh, support them. Support a smaller business. Support uh, a business that's not one of those big box stores. Homefield's the place to go. Get all your Christmas shopping done. And really uh, just start linking your savings account to them, honestly. <laughs> um, so, homefieldapparel.com, 30% off BFMNB.
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, that, now that uh, we read that, and please uh, go to that. It helps us out. of stuff, home. I know. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, Homefield <laughs> Field Apparel, I looked, at, I looked at a lot of their stuff. It's dope. You should check it out. Uh, but I' moving on now, and this is the game that, the I guess, the sexier game of the two as fun as that first. Ooh, game was. <laughs> well, in terms of storylines, sadly, yes, um, yes. Michigan you. with an 81. 81- well, ultimately you say, Hey, Michigan won by 10. <laughs> you would think hey, I can't complain. Now there's plenty to complain about here. And we're not going to be too overly negative because it was a Michigan win Michigan in 81, 71 victory over Oakland in overtime. Uh, Anthony, we were texting back and forth during the game. I, to be honest, in the second half, I, I had a, I thought they were going to lose. And, you know, you could say that I'm not a faithful fan, I got, but
0: I, I got the NJIT text from you.
1: Yes. I mean, it was feeling like that because, <laughs> uh, especially in the second half when Oakland started throwing in some shots from nowhere, I mean, you know, from everywhere, actually, you know, uh, uh shot clock winding down, fade away, three pointers, you know, stuff like that. I was starting to get worried now in, I will give credit where credit is due to this basketball team and it wasn't all bad. There were actually some I would say some major positives and we'll talk about that in a second. They they battled, they came back, they won uh Oakland. I'm not going to call them a terrible basketball team because they had three they days- are. Okay, sure, it's fine. They yeah, are. <laughs> I I look, uh, the reason I was hesitant is they had 3 days of practice. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the only <laughs> That's the only reason I couldn't do it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, that's so unlike me to be to be timid. They suck. They're not a good basketball team. They lost. They were down by fifty-two. Were lost by. They're
0: 0-3 and lost by like sixty to Xavier.
1: Right. First Michigan. Michigan was a thirty-two point favorite in this game. They won by ten in overtime. They averted disaster. It was uh, looking very, very ugly. Um, I guess just the simple question I'll ask you, and I'll try to assess it before I even ask it. When you look at what went wrong. Uh, I think it's pretty much twofold. I think it's one, uh, sloppiness, sloppiness, turnovers, 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 turnovers. You had 15 turnovers in the first half against that Oakland zone in comparison to 12 made field goals. Again, you know, double a two-sided coin, cleaned it up a lot in the second half in overtime. I'd say the other, other issue, and you could blame the zone for this, uh, poor execution. It was reminding me a bit of what of the team we watched at points last year. It, despite the sloppiness, I thought for the most part, the ball movement was okay. You, you had a lot of open looks and you had guys who just played bad games. Mike Smith had a pretty poor game. Shawnee Brown had a miserable game. I mean, after what was a stud performance against Bowling green, yeah. two, two for 14 from the floor, one for 10 from three point range. I mean, is that pretty much a fair assessment to say that's where things went wrong? Did you see something else?
0: I, I've, I didn't, you know, Joan Howard talks about a lot. Something we heard last year, that first year under him was, you know, you have to keep your mental stability when things don't go well. And honestly, I, I don't think, and Isaiah liver said as much after the game, I, I wish I was had more time for pre-production and, you know, could have inserted an audio clip here, but he pretty much said uh, their zone was a little more aggressive than they saw on film. And, and that, that gave them fits. And he said that, he believes that, uh, that's what happened with the turnovers. They didn't handle it. Well, they didn't have a good night. Um, overall, I thought that, uh, you know, the, I thought there was a lethargy about them. I, I, I didn't think yeah. that they, a lot of the passes that they were making, um, you know, when you, when you have 20 turnovers, the fact of the matter is that's a lot of lazy basketball. That's a lot of lazy passes without a purpose. Um, and I think that, that you know, they, they probably watched this, this team on film and said, we should kill this team. Uh, hopefully, we're up by enough in the second half to where we can get Adrian Nunez in there. We can get Jace Howard in there. Maybe see what Jerron Folds and C.J. Baird are up to. That didn't happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Michigan found itself in, in a bit of a dogfight. Um, now, the point was made after the game, and chandy Brown didn't have a good game. Uh, you know, water... Water found its level there. Uh, He he historically is not a great three-point shooter. Um, Probably close to average, if you know, a little bit below average. But he was blistering the other night. Today, or Sunday, he wasn't that good. Uh, In fact, he was quite bad. And he was hoisting shots that he probably shouldn't have. And as we say, Water finds its level. But he made a point after the game uh, that Livers revealed in the post-game interview is that, you know, maybe it's better for us to go through this now than say March when you're in the sweet 16 and things like that. And I, you know, again, despite, and this is where maybe we differ on this game, despite how close it was. I mean, they went to overtime. I never felt like Michigan was really in danger of losing. I felt like a switch would get flipped eventually. And, Hmm. you know, to their credit, they didn't play great in the second half, um, but they did only turn the ball over five times. And I think that's – it's nice to see that it didn't snowball because, again, somewhere John Beeline was probably – if he was watching this game, it probably wasn't good on his recently repaired heart because yes, exactly. that's not the type of basketball that they played under him. And, you know, he brought in and coached a lot of these guys. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for not, not great. I have more takeaways, but I'm sure you have more to share as well.
1: Well, I mean, at first I, I chuckle because that is so – the, the, the difference between me and you is, you know, you had the whole I don't think they're going to you never felt they were really in danger of losing um, the game you texted me and said it reminded you of was the 2016 game against central Michigan. I remember that game. Um, it was the 2017 season, but I believe it was in December of 2016, a game that they uh, came back and ultimately won, you know, when it's two, nothing, I think the sky is falling. So, you know, just, I, I, I get what I get what you're saying. And I guess <laughs> if I had, if I had a slightly more level head, I probably would have felt uh, the way you knowing, did.
0: knowing the content choices that you make, um, or you have made in terms of teams, you follow and teams yes. you react to it's not an unfounded thing to feel.
1: Yes. I've, I've recorded videos after over, th- I think 350 Tigers losses over the last four years. So, uh, or actually probably, probably more. So I guess that, that does make sense, but uh, no, look, it, it was, it was an ugly ball game. Uh, you win ugly. I, 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 there's not a lot of positive takeaways, I guess, you know, in terms of over the overall look of this basketball team, especially in comparison to how some other big 10 teams looked uh, over the last several days. I will say, you know, they almost lost this game sometimes, and I think more people will react, you know, high, you know, be more quick to react because it is a shortened season. You know, that does admittedly happen sometimes in college basketball. Michigan, when they made the Elite Eight in 2014, lost to Charlotte. Michigan State, when they made the Final Four in 1999, lost to Wayne State. You know, this stuff uh, does have a tendency to happen. It's weird. I give this team credit for battling back. The one thing I will say, and it's kind of, it's both positive and negative. I think that this, there will be within the next few games. I don't know if it's going to be next game or what, whatever. There's going to be some sort of shakeup in terms of the starting lineup that Juwan throws out there. Hunter Dickinson is a grown man. Hunter Dickinson is not a guy who plays like a freshman. That's the biggest positive. Hunter Dickinson was a machine. I mean, 19 points, four rebounds, four assists. He Seven of nine from the f- uh, foul line as well. Missed those two, but I mean that's typically that's the one Achilles' heel for big men is they they're you know bricklayers from the, the free throw line. He was excellent, seven for nine from there, six for eight from the floor. All of his nineteen points coming in the second half and overtime. He looks to me at seven foot two, and when you look at, I, I think the styles are very comparable, and maybe I'm not the first one to make this comparison, but when you look at his vision his passing capabilities. Cause he made, he threw some dimes to livers for some outside shots. Some went in, some didn't. He looks to me like the player that Mitch McGarry was probably going to be if he didn't get injured and get busted for weed. And I, I, I love Mitch McGarry. He's, you know, one of my favorite, you know, he's, he was part of like one of the group, my favorite teams ever, you know, in those five games. But let's be honest. Outside of those five games he played leading up to the national championship against Louisville, he never quite reached the potential we thought he could reach. Hunter, Hunter, Hunter Dickinson uh, played, won them that game on uh, Saturday or on Sunday. And you, in comparison to Austin Davis, who played 13 minutes, had six points and two rebounds. Um, I think if you're going to make some sort of change, that's going to be the one that's going to be most likely to happen here pretty soon. And I like Austin Davis. We all like Austin Davis. Austin Davis has come alive and played some good basketball for this team a season ago. I also think he is the ultimate uh, backup center. In my opinion, he is a perfect 10 to 12 minutes off the bench, 6.6 rebounds type of player. Um, I think Dickinson's or his ceiling, is probably about Dickinson's floor, to be honest with you. And again, I like him, but you know you got to put your most talented five uh, on the floor. So I think, guess as frustrating as this game was, the one takeaway was that the freshman, and I forgot to mention Terrence Williams, despite the missed free throws, seven points off the bench, played a, a pretty good game. Uh, that is the one takeaway is that Michigan, what they're trying to do is put, feel the team that is simply more talented than almost any other team they're going to go up against. And tonight, I know it's Oakland, but Michigan, despite pl- doing about as many things bad as they could possibly do for the first, I mean, really for the first 40 minutes until overtime, they won that game because they had superior athletes and they fed those athletes when it mattered most.
0: Yeah, I mean, if there's, <clears throat> there are a lot of frustrations in this game. Uh, if there's one of them that kind of, I wouldn't say looms the biggest, but one that, you know, when it's so apparent that you have a guy that is a mismatch, a guy like Hunter Dickinson. who Exactly. Yeah. He's a true freshman, but uh, he physically looks the part. He is seven foot two. I don't think Oakland has a guy above six, nine or six ten on their roster. They had no answer for him. So for a lot of possessions to kind of end with quick shots from the perimeter, um, you know, maybe that's an old school basketball dad take, but like, he probably should have had 10 more points than he did given who the opponent was. So it took, it
1: took uh, him a long time to figure out that they had nobody who can match up against him.
0: Yeah. I I don't think he even came in in the second half until like under the twelve. It was, it was after the under 12 timeout if Mm -hmm. memory serves me correct. So um, yeah, he's, he's again, you can make the debate about should Shawnee Brown be in the starting lineup? Should so-and-so be on the bench? Yada, yada, yada it's pretty clear to me that Hunter Dickinson's your best five yeah. and he needs to be out there. Yeah, um, and he's I'm still, good. he's played the lion's share of the minutes. I think Austin Davis is still, when you look at the box scores, still kind of given Michigan and Ben for Michigan, what they expect him to be. But to me, you know, he's not, he's not Jordan Morgan. He's not a guy that you're like, okay, we need to keep him in the starting lineup because we like what he brings here. And you know, we can bring off, you know, Mitch needs time to get ready.
1: Yeah.
0: Austin Davis is a guy who, like you said, give you 10, 12 good minutes off the bench. Give me a couple, give me a stretch of four or five minutes in each half where, uh, you know, you make a couple plays here and there and it's not a net negative for the team. Um, the assumption has always been that at some point, Austin Davis will pass the baton to Hunter Dickinson. Now, I think people within the program would even tell you that They didn't expect it to be as this soon. And again, there's, you know, three more days off before another game. Mm -hmm. Um, Hunter Dickinson should probably, you know, that's the beauty and the curse of having such a deep team is that, um, you know, you have so many options and you're trying to keep everyone happy. I'm not worried about Austin Davis being unhappy. He's proven that he's going to be the ultimate team guy, no matter what happens. He's known that he was going to be, um, kind of the big brother to Hunter Dickinson. And it's, it's just, it's it's probably time to give that guy some more run with the ones
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and the minutes, like I said, the minutes point that out, but um, you know, there's m- much is made about the term starter. Um, yeah. That, that can be kind of irrelevant. I mean, Shawnee Brown is, is probably one of your best five and I think he's probably going to keep coming off the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. But Hunter Dickinson should be, should be the guy that takes that opening tip. Uh, you know, need to, I, I'd love to see the adrenaline of getting that first start. And you know, if there are jitters, they're fine. You work through them. But um, I think it's pretty clear to me through two games, if there's an overarching plot thread through these first two matchups, it's that Hunter Dickinson's really damn good and really yes. damn ready to play.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah, I'm with you. And like, as disappointing maybe as it may be for Austin Davis, the fact is, a year ago at this time. Oh, uh, some of us, I'll help all out myself here. I, I forgot Austin Davis was even on the team. And, and like, ah. it, it wasn't until February when we were like, you know what, maybe they should bring him back for another year. So I think him just simply being here, even if it is a coming off the bench as a, in a reserve role, I think, you know, he's, he's doing all right. Uh, there, yeah. there's two other things I wanted to talk about. One, you know, became kind of a viral thing, but it is worth noting. Franz Wagner played two. I mean, let's just call it for what it is two awful basketball games in both these games. I mean, came alive. ever so slightly, maybe a little bit against uh bowling green, but tonight uh, what was only attempted five field goals. One of them was a dunk at the very, very end was two for five, Uh, six points, five turnovers did have 13 rebounds. And it's where you know, that, that Wagner length, you know, comes into play. But, uh, Very strange. I don't think it's an injury situation. I don't, we, I mean, if he's anything like his brother, we know it's not a confidence, uh, issue. (laughs) Uh, But, um, this was a guy who a lot of people believed would be a all big, you know, preseason all big 10. Some believed he had, you know, all American ceiling. I'm not, it's not panic time, but I think it is worth noting that considering the hype, that is very strange that against two. I mean, Bowling Green's a good team, but two fairly lesser opponents, he struggled as much as he did. He was basically a non-factor uh, on Saturday, on Sunday.
0: Yeah, um, you know, going back to the Wednesday game, I didn't think he played great, but he did have – he you know, he rolled his ankle before the half and really right. hasn't looked quite the same since then, um, certainly not in Sunday's game. I mean, again – we could probably talk about six or seven guys that I, I noticed more of an impact, or, you know, maybe four or five, than Franz Wagner. Um, I'm not really, I'm not concerned yet. Um, an eyebrow is raised. I'm certainly, again, kind of wondering what's going on there. Yeah, um, he is what I believe to be the most gifted. Now, I'm not saying best yet. I'm not saying most, most talented. I think in terms of his skill set and the physical tools he has, the length, the athleticism, um, you know, the European style of basketball that he plays, I think he is the most gifted player on the roster. And I I think a lot of us assumed that, um, and this was a fair assumption to make that, Hey, you know, he, he threw his name into the NBA draft waters and obviously pulled back out, but he had a summer with Cam Sanderson He's up to 6'10. He looks physically looks the part. Um, He looks more like a man in that uh, he's attempting to grow a goatee. And it's just (laughs) like it just hasn't been there yet. And it's one of those things where again, I think I do think water will find its level. They have a lot of, you know, they've they've got what I think is probably on any given night, maybe six guys who I think, you know, draw their name on a hat. They have the potential to lead them in scoring. And yep. he's one of them, and his, his, his name hasn't been drawn yet. Right. So, uh, again, I think the ankle, he looked – it didn't look like it bothered him per se, but he didn't look quite like himself in Sunday's game. And, again, it's another one of those things where you talk about, you know, you're playing a team who is uh, – you know, Ken Palm had them as the number 310 team in the country coming into this game, which means you have, you have more athletes than them. You have better players than them across the board. You're a better basketball team. Mm -hmm. And you saw that Michigan was able to exploit that in terms of Hunter Dickinson, um, Isaiah Livers, very, I mean, maybe not quite in terms of his demeanor and some of the other things we're about to talk about. But um, of all these takeaways we've had, Isaiah Livers has put together two very, very good basketball games.
1: He's he's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
0: Yeah you know, this, this point last year, he needed to do that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, he can put up 17 and eight rebounds. And we're talking about three other guys that stood out on the night. So I think it speaks to also um, it speaks to that improved depth and and that, you know, improved firepower that they have. So again, uh, you know, in terms of Franz, I'm not worried yet, Um, but maybe he's just not quite as if, you know, as much of a finished product as maybe a lot of people were hoping he would be coming into the year. There's still some things to work on there.
1: Yeah. I I, see just even with the hype, I still came into the season under the belief Isaiah livers was probably going to be this team's leading scorer. And so far that's, that's held true. Um, The last thing we got to talk about, and this became a thing online. um, There was a a heated exchange uh, during the huddle or in the huddle in the first half between Juwan and Isaiah livers unfortunately and this is where uh, I might have to message John boy on Twitter to see if we can get a uh, lip reading uh, about this <laughs> obviously like, Juan was wearing a mask and you could only see the back of his head but uh, there was clearly some for frust- a lot of frustration you saw Juan slam a clipboard down on the ground it was clear he said something to it specifically aimed at Isaiah livers uh, that he took exception to they started barking back and forth uh, livers kind of got in his face and it had to be held back. I mean, it never would have gone to fist cuffs or anything like that. But there was clearly a lot of frustration. Um, this, was, was, this was not
0: Pat Chambers hitting a kid.
1: No, exactly, exactly right. And the the thing right away um, on on my glorious uh, Twitter feed that the one thing that everyone compared it to is two years ago when uh, you know Tom Izzo completely got you know just tried to tried to chew. Uh, Aaron Henry's face off in the NCAA tournament. Um, and after that happened, you saw a lot of people saying he should be fired. This is abuse. Uh, all of that was nonsense. And anyone, you know, who's relatively sane, uh, which is the camp I would put myself in relative sanity. Um, it's the thought that was insane. Um, you, you look at this, look, I, I I'm okay. It's okay to me. I, they, uh, after the game, they both said it's whatever they, I, I like both these guys a lot. There is Isaiah liver has been here for four years. I ain't heard a damn thing negative about him. That's been said ever. Uh, Juwan's been here for uh, two years, uh, every assistant coach and every uh, one of his friends and former players and current players has raved about his character. I mean, even if you think that, you know, have questions about him, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint, everyone has said, this is a family man. He's a great guy, uh, high character individual, they were pissed. They were playing Oakland and losing in the first half. They turned the ball over four straight possessions. They were angry. Basketball is a stressful game. These are human beings. I understand why it's a story, but outside of this 24-hour news cycle that it's going to go through, I don't see it uh, evolving into anything else. I, I think it was it was a heat-of-the-moment thing, a frustrating game. Like you said, Anthony, Yeah, they expect, they thought they were going to blow Oakland out. Of course they did. And um, they were in a dogfight with them. They got punched in the mouth. And ultimately, I think it was probably you know it, it took them a while, but I think that probably lit a bit of a spark uh, under their ass, and they, they ended up winning the ball game. So to me, you know, I, I'm not I don't think there's really uh, any any trouble in paradise, to be honest with you.
0: Well, uh, it was it was a non-issue the minute they took the floor in the second half because Isaiah Livers was the guy that led the team onto the floor when they sprinted out of the locker room. Uh, mm-hmm. It was done. It was over there. Um, listen, I think you kind of hit on it. Michigan, I mean, we talked about the scheduling and how they tried to piecemeal this together with teams that had comparable protocols to what they were doing COVID-wise. But let's be frank here. They scheduled this game because it was their best shot at, at scheduling a game where they were going to be able to beat someone's ass and put some stuff on film. Uh, they didn't do that. And I think the team knew that, too. And, and there were some frustrations there. Um, we're talking about, you know, going back to the mental stability thing. Um, Isaiah Livers spoke to the media after the game, which credit to him, credit to Michigan for making him available. This is a not, this is a complete non-issue. He said, um, he challenged, you know, Jawan, what was said, Jawan Howard challenged him. He wanted him to go after loose balls. Uh, he didn't like the effort on the floor. Uh, Livers basically said that he was holding me accountable and I, that's why I love him and respect him. And that's how we communicate. We're competitors and that's, that was that Juwan Howard said he would keep that conversation. What was said between them. But again, I, I see it as a, as a a complete non-issue. And I think a lot of us maybe you know, in the state of Michigan are used to, um, you know, Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo and him and Juwan Howard, not the same guy, but he chews guys out way worse all the time. Right. Frequently Mm -hmm. uh, in every game. This is, it's, it was a little alarming. This is pr- really only the first, I, you know, I can't remember a time where this happened in other games uh, with Joan Howard at Michigan. It might have, but then that might speak to how rarely it happens. Yeah. Um, they love him. He is yeah. beloved. Um, he loves his players. He's beloved in that locker room. He respects them. Um, competitive people challenge each other and that's what brings out the best. And you know, when you talk, we talk about with the other, uh, Program that we talk about on this website, you and me on a different day, we talk about culture a lot. We talk about accountability a lot. I again, holding people accountable when things don't go well, that's that's fine. That's that's a healthy thing to do. Um, you know, after the game, we talk about someone holding himself accountable. Terrence Williams, who yep. again, about to bring it up, had a yep. had a wonderful. I mean, in, free throws aside had a wonderful night and has kind of played well in these first two games here after the game, literally not even 45 seconds after he got off the zoom call with us, he was back on the floor shooting free throws. Mm -hmm. That is a strong culture. Yeah. And Jawan Howard's instilled that in his players. He's instilled that into his coaching staff and yeah, things didn't go well, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'd rather be on the winning side of a, of a game like this than the losing side. Hot take. Sorry if that's (laughs) offensive to somebody.
1: Right. Well, Um, I mean, considering the fact that the other team we cover has had uh, enough L's this year to last us several more years. um, I I, look, you're completely right. I mean, grinding out a win is a million times better than a pretty loss if there is such a thing now breaking news, Isaiah livers. I'm not even kidding. As of five minutes ago, just tweeted y'all dramatic with a laughing or a crying laughing emoji. So um, <laughs> it's uh, a, a water under the bridge clearly. And look, I, it's not an issue Right. The other thing that needs to be brought up is, you know, like Izzo and all these coaches Saban, um, you know, they go viral for the moments in which they they're screaming at getting in players' faces. Those, those guys are elite coaches because they know those particular players respond to that kind of coaching some people don't i'm not somebody who who has any would have any interest in a in a, a middle-aged man you know just screaming uh, obscenities in my face you know i but some guys respond to that i it, it seems like livers fierce competitor uh responds to that like you said it wasn't anything it never got physical he's not fletcher from whiplash he's not throwing chairs and, and slapping people in the face so um yeah to me <laughs> it's not uh it, it's not really much of an issue they won the game an ugly game and uh it's you know, a complete you know, non-issue <laughs> completely yeah and we'll and dude by I, by the time we record the brewcast tomorrow we'll have forgotten about it to be honest with you i mean especially with the way th- the new cycle that's happened here in 2020 it's it's nothing so um look ultimately it was not always pretty by any means michigan finds a way to grind out uh, a second victory you know pretty uh, pretty substantial win there uh, in game one, pulling away against Bowling Green there in the second half. Uh, 2-0 and basketball team. And, yes, a lot of things they need to work on like in terms of consistency, sloppiness. Uh, 2-0 and is 2-0. And uh, they have a pretty – we talked about this in the Brewcast. Schedule going forward, pretty darn favorable. And I, that's what I said. I, this is a favorable schedule for this team, a team that features a lot of freshmen and a lot of newcomers. They're going to have – several games here, no disrespect to Oakland or Bowling Green, but they're going to have several games here to work out the Kings. If Michigan would have played a good basketball team to, or on Sunday, they would have lost by 20. They, plain and simple. I mean, they, they were too sloppy. They missed too many open looks. Uh, too many guys were inconsistent, but that's why the schedule is favorable. And like uh Shaundi Brown brought it up rather do this now than do this in March. Do you have anything else to add, man, before we uh, uh, give our uh, social uh, media stuff here?
0: Yeah. I guess how I'll end it ended is, is basically, you know, both of these first two games were a little more back and forth than people expected them to be. But I think something that is positive moving forward is that when push came to shove now, mind you, it took five extra minutes on Sunday, they pulled away and were able to steal the victory in the end. I think that there's a, a poise, you know, we've heard the old phrase from Jim Harbaugh "Steal in your spine that that's That's occurring right now. And you talk about the schedule, it is favorable. I mean, you look at this next, really leading into the new year, Ball State on Wednesday, UCF on Sunday, I believe, and then ACC Big Ten against North Carolina State. And then December 13th, you're into conference play. You host Penn State at home. Then you have 12 days off, and you go play at Nebraska on Christmas Day. You don't – and again, based on the effort we saw Sunday – can't guarantee it's it's never good to guarantee victories but they might the the stiffest test obviously north carolina state is coming but um new year's eve which is when they go to play maryland is going to be the game that where you know what this team is and where they are so i'm looking forward to the next you know month or so of basketball um two and O is two and oh uh we'll see what happens in the rankings this week but uh you know, again, and and real quick uh, shout out, put you in the captain's chair today. Uh, we've done we've done basketball-centric shows before, but we've never done a basketball, purely basketball podcast. And we're gonna be doing that um every Sunday, every Sunday night into Monday, because Monday's Monday's an off day in the Big Ten. So we uh it's kind of a natural stopping point, time to sit back, relax, breathe, reflect on what we saw. So um be me chris maybe a rotating cast of people maybe some days one of us aren't here whatever but we are planning on doing this every uh sunday night into monday morning so uh, you can look forward to that throughout the year
1: right well thank you man and uh yeah this is i've been looking forward to the season i've been looking forward to chat hoops and i think with the way things have with the way the schedules are arranged in uh 2020 given the pandemic I I personally was wondering, you know, how we're going to fit everything in. And I think this is a, this is a wonderful opportunity. Um, and I, I I look forward to seeing where this thing goes so that will do it, uh, most likely for today's, uh, podcast, Anthony, where can we find you on Twitter, buddy? I
0: mean, on Twitter, Anthony T broom, find the website uh, on Twitter at maze and brew, um, we're wherever you get your shows and podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all the socials. We're we're everywhere. So um if there's somewhere you connect with people, connect with Michigan fans, we're there. And if there's a way we can grow, let us know.
1: All right. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. Uh there you'll find the link to uh whatever I'm cooking. I mean, uh, my my YouTube page where I review movies. Uh w- it was a wonderful idea in theory, uh, until movies decided <laughs> to stop existing. Uh so hopefully that'll be coming back here soon. I think there is some Oscar Caliber stuff coming down the pike that I look forward to reviewing. I have another show, another podcast, two actually. We besides the brewcast. Um, my show, Locked On Tigers, on the Locked On Podcasting Network. You can follow you can follow that on Twitter at Locked On Tigers. So that's uh you got anything else, buddy?
0: Uh well, this was fun. Um, I look forward to this a lot more than the show that we'll do the next time we speak. So
1: right, and that is um, that is not a reflection on uh, who we record with or what we say. It's simply the uh, the subject matter affairs. that has really brought yeah. us down here in uh, in 2020. And I I understand that completely. But uh, I, again, honestly, a 10 point ugly near disastrous loss to Oakland is a hell of a lot more fun and exciting than pretty much anything we've talked about on the brewcast in about two months.
0: Yeah. This is a nice little, um, a nice little, the nice little chewy goodness in the middle of a misery sandwich.
1: Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. So that will do it, uh, officially for, uh, today's show. Everybody, thank you very much for listening for Anthony broom. I'm Chris Castellani. We will see you later.